This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. For a free trial and 20% off your annual membership, go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Probably Science. Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. And I am Andy Wood. Hey, Andy. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. Still a little bit, uh, feel a little bit dumb for what happened on Friday, but uh, Should we, uh, I'll get let, over let's it. Let's introduce our guest yes. and then we can start filling both Colt and the listeners in on what's, what's transpired or what actually transpired several weeks ago, but right, right. we only know transpired uh, a couple of days ago. So this is our, our first professional wrestler guest. Yeah. He's a pro wrestler. Uh, and uh, a Twitch streamer, and also a podcaster, the host of both the Art of Wrestling podcast, which I've listened to plenty of times and is excellent, and the brand, brand new podcast coming. Has it even dropped yet? Or is it about to drop? Wrestling Anonymous. Wrestling stories from fans and other people having their stories of encounters with pro wrestlers. It's Mr. Colt Cabana. Hello. Yes, it's, I mean, depending, whenever this comes out, we don't really know. Uh, let's just assume... We can't assume anything, so I won't assume. <laughs> um, but my new podcast, yes, Wrestling Anonymous, uh, call in stories from people about the stories of wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Listen to my podcast. You get it. Hi. Great to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm excited. That, thanks for having me. Oh, well, no. Thanks. Thanks for doing it. That's uh, you, that, that actually makes me feel relieved the way you just plugged your podcast there, because that's about as shoddily as we plug our podcast yeah, when yeah. We're on blah 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 si- blah 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 science you get and it yeah, just listen and yeah aren't yeah, rap pro wrestlers meant to be the best at promos in the world like i was like, oh. like it is gonna be coming in oh now you're making me feel self-conscious oh, i actually thought that was a great promo <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair it was a solid promo right up until the blah 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 I mean, I think I would say Matt's being a heel right now. Is this his heel turn? There it is. is. He, okay. This is it. This is it. I'm, I'm starting a feud now with our guest. I've never done this before on a podcast. I'm trying to think of the science, uh, the science favor wrestlers who like you could have on. There was a wrestler named Raven once who was on the show Ben Stein's Win Ben Stein's Money. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, they, I'm sorry. They had a but they had a couple of wrestlers with WCW, but I believe Raven won. And like he beat all the other wrestlers by so much because everyone else was uh, huh. just as dumb as you were, Andy. <laughs> oh, ouch! <laughs> Apparently, you said something dumb. I was well. I was on the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions. My episode aired on Friday, and uh, is that real? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, to be fair, to get onto the Tournament of Champions, you have to be at least some level of not dumb. I know. I don't and actually. You start. Feel... You started in fine form. I think yes, I, I had a good run. I mean, well, so I won four games last fall, so I got enough money that I was, I think, like twelfth or thirteenth on the list of top fifteen players the last two years. So they take on 15. real TV. On real TV, yeah. Was yeah. was who was your guest host? Shaquille O'Neal or something? Uh, no, we had we were all the last class of Trebek champions. So this is crazy. Was, I mean, it's pretty I, crazy. All your listeners obviously know, but this is fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to make it all about me, but I'll just like get through this last t- story about about the game on Friday, and then we can I could put this chapter of my life behind me. So Friday as uh, well, first round. You st- the first board you you again you started you were flying at the beginning. I was really on a roll. I think I had seventy four hundred or so, something over seven thousand uh, on on single jeopardy. I think Veronica had six thousand, and Sam had two or three. So I was like, oh, I'm I'm doing fine. This trend will continue. I, I'm good on the buzzer. And then um, 
Sam had control of the board as he was in third, and he instantly went for like you know lower 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 questions doing the daily double hunting. Um, he got that first one, which I also knew the answer, but just didn't get in in time. And the question right below it was daily double. He bet it all, doubled his money. Suddenly he has like a 500 less than I do. Two questions later, he hits the second daily double. He bets five grand and suddenly uh, I'm down 7,000 to like 14 and 15,000, <laughs> like in four questions. And then, um, yeah, I, I wasn't doing horribly. I missed that one about Grand Teton National Park by just calling it the Tetons, which is like, eh, I, I don't know if that, uh, having been there many times, I guess I, I was too familiar with what we call it, but like, okay, technically it's Grand Teton. That was a $6,000 swing because it was a $2,000 question. Uh, and then Final Jeopardy came, uh, and I've, been, I've, this happened in real time. This happened a month ago, and I've thought about this for at least an hour every day, uh, filled with regret. The question was, the category was American authors. Uh, the clue was uh, in 1809, when this author was born, his actor parents named him after a King Lear character. And I just didn't study my Shakespeare well enough to know any any of the cast of that play. Oh, that everybody is- at home right now is shaking their head. In. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Here's what I did this dumb, though. So I thought for the 30 seconds, and I was like, well, if you don't know it, you at least have to name a famous 19th century American author. So I'm just going through like the Jeopardy level famous ones and like ticking off reasons why it couldn't be them. Like Twain was born later. And also Mark or Samuel are those like Shakespearean names. I was thinking of like this female authors, but the clue said his, so it couldn't be Alcott or Stowe. Herman Melville, I think was born later than that. And Herman doesn't sound that Shakespearean. I was finally like, just think of anybody born around 1809, who's a huge author and I was like, uh, that's about when Dickens was born. I was like, oh yeah, Charles, it's like not a remarkable name, but it could be a Shakespeare name. I was like, yeah, let's go with Dickens. And, and so, and I'm, my handwriting isn't that good. So Buzzy Cohen, the guest host, as he's reading it, I'm having, to, I also say it out loud to him. Like I, I go Dickens and then he says, no. And I'm like, yeah, I know, whatever. Uh, and then, and then as soon as the interview with him ends, I turn, or before the interview, I turn to my two other players, Sam and Veronica. I'm like, well, that's around when Dickens was born, right? And they like nod, but they have weird looks on their face. That after our interview wraps up, I suddenly look back at the board and see the word American. And I, <laughs> I just yelled out, American. <laughs> and then the producers had to go, Andy, we're still taping. Uh, and I just stepped back from the podium and I was like, oh, Reddit's going to kill me. I can't. I just forgot the American part. And I said the most British author who's ever lived. That's, <laughs> that's the final thing I've ever done on Jeopardy. That's the end of my Jeopardy career is a super dumb. And I also didn't realize until last week that I was the only one of the 15 of us who had never missed a final Jeopardy going into this. So some of the odds odds makers had me as like a pretty high favorite to win the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I had 10 grand on. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway. And, and that uh, would have... That would have just put you into one of the oh, right. wild runner-up, yeah. one of the wild card spots, right? Yeah, if I'd known, it was Edgar Allan Poe, and if I'd studied uh, King Lear, if I'd studied my would Shakespeare you, enough Would to you know have Edgar. ever, if you'd remembered American, would you have conjured up Edgar Allan Poe? Is there a... Well, no, the thing is, I just gave up on King Lear because I didn't know any anyone from King Lear, but I have an actor friend who was nice enough to make me this 20-page summary of all Shakespeare plays, but it's like 20 pages single spaced. So that document was so daunting that I didn't really spend did, a lot of time with it. And did, I, did we realize the full circle here, by the way, which is what, who was the smart wrestler? I told you, do you remember? Wait, did you say his name was King Lear? Oh, Ed, Ed, no, Raven. His name oh, was Raven. Holy shit. Wow. Synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Carl Jung or the, the police. Synchronicity killed the cat. That's what yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did they, uh, did they did they make you retake that bit where so you don't shout out American or 
What? No, they, they were just still... like erase the N sound at the end, so it just sounds like you're just America. finishing a really, really well, patriotic like, note. It was post-show, so it's like they could still use any of that conversation for like things they clip out online if it had been an interesting conversation. Or part of, part of it they did when Sam was asking Buzzy how he prepared for hosting. But like I was kind of hoping they would put the part where I say American because like I don't care. That doesn't make me look any more dumb. It's just funny because you realize I yeah. I don't think Dickens is American. I just forgot what we were. What, what a that's name so for easy us. to do when you've got all that stu- all that pressure. Like I, yeah. I feel so for any of those. Like I don't think that counts as one of the like famous dumb quiz show no, answers. But no. those ones where, those ones that make those sort of YouTube edits that, I do feel sorry for all of those people. I I I could so easily do that in the heat of the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can totally relate. Uh, recently on my Twitch, I've been I've downloaded an emulator from Nintendo and I've been playing Jeopardy and I haven't been doing too good either. <laughs> <laughs> Have you actually been doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, cool. So I get it. I, you and I were both not winning <laughs> Jeopardy these days, you know? Have you also spent every waking moment thinking about regretting that? Uh, that I forgot about it until right now. You know? <laughs> but well, I'm, in a, I'm in a better mental health space than you are. Yeah, so. yeah. Not, not in the best right now, but... Whatever. Well, in your... How many of... Like, when you're wrestling on TV, how, how often is that actually live? Uh, yeah, well... See, I wrestle for a, a promotion called AEW. We wrestle on TNT every single Wednesday, eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Central. And during the pa- since it was live before uh, life went to hell, uh, and then during quarantine and pandemic, we've been flying down to Jacksonville every other week, and we tape it live, live on Wednesday, and then we tape another one Thursday where that will air the next Wednesday. So every other week for the last year has been live. So because I I don't think I've I've done very few. You know, apart from obviously stand-up is in front of an audience and the occasional sort of streaming thing, but uh, I don't think I've ever done live TV, and that would... Have I? Oh, I guess, like, you know, doing, like, a morning show to promote a weekend in a comedy club where you're just, like, on morning TV. But uh, but other than that, like, I, I don't know. The, the fear of just really screwing up on national TV, like... Mm. <laughs> See, I, I'll disagree because I think... Uh, for you and I or our performance as performers like we we deal in lot it has to be live so like when you're doing stand up right. you, you don't get to another take when I do wrestling I don't get another take that's a it fair is point because it, it is most of the wrestling you're doing is I mean like yeah it's been broadcast on TV but there's also many many people in the arena watching you yeah but I'm saying when I w- let's say when I wasn't on TV for the first 20 years of my career or whatever uh you know it was just in little halls and little whatevers but you know we're doing a performance and we only get one take so it's not right. like we're on we're, we're not on set where we could just say cut yeah um, what what was your early career like like before like was regional kinds of leagues or what what's i, I don't know uh, how one comes up in this business i know nothing yeah, about it i'm sorry i've got a, a, a wild career i've been wrestling <laughs> It's uh, my my anniversary is uh, coming up soon here. June 1999, I started. Wow! And basically, I've been doing 200 days a year on the road since then. Oh my god! It's a very like we we've talked a bit about this in the past. Like there are real overlaps with the life of a road comic, both in, in terms of like the sort of hustle and the doing the shows in front of no one, and then hoping for the TV break. Like, and you've done you've done sort of every level and every shade of it from the like real indies to a uh, run in WWE to now like this other tv uh what what they call it franchise organization yeah i you know i kind of like relate for those who are comedy fans like i relate my career to almost like maybe like gethard or like even brooks whelan where like he jumped he like 
was maybe a little more Gethard because Wheeland got, I feel, got SNL a little quicker than uh, a lot of people. But like Gethard was like doing 10 years of UCB and then they just plopped him on Comedy Central, which is the biggest thing. And then like it didn't go well. And then he had to restart his career. And so <laughs> I I kind of like, um, you know, I I was hustling for so long. And then like nine years in my career after traveling all over the world, doing Japan and Mexico and, and a lot of the UK, but also like a lot of the little shows all over America and smaller Southern America. Like I got signed to the WWE and then like, I, I thought that was going to be my big break. And then I got five matches and then they fired me. And then I had to like restart my whole career. And I figured it out with kind of podcasting and the internet. And it was like back to the grind and grinding even more. So, uh, and then, you know, finally, here we are, 2020, literally a month before the pandemic starts, I say to myself, like, OK, I'm, I don't want to you know what? I'm sick of like not sick of this, but like I think I've deserved to sign a, a, a full contract and I do. And then a month later, every you know, like, <laughs> thankfully, everyone's out of work. There, there would be no wrestling for me. And then all of a sudden I get, you know, I get a, a weekly uh, check, which is amazing. Damn. Yeah. 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 But that that I, I am I right in thinking that. One of the big reasons why you you got oh hello loud uh, motorbike outside the window I don't know if that got picked up in the mic but hi um, Matt <laughs> <laughs> it's your um, friend but I th- one of the reasons you got booked on the on the new TV gig is because you've got a raised profile from all of the like podcasting and stuff like that that's happened like you've so like I think there's elements of sort of Marin in terms of your parallel career there and that you sort of yeah. rebuilt up this direct to the fan base audience yes. that's then enabled you to be a draw to, to people come and see you do things live yeah n- enough underground stuff where eventually it, it starts bubbling up to uh you know to the top right I, I had like i had a weird rolling stone article written about me and like espn and forbes and this was all you know stuff that like the big companies would kill f- to have their people profiled um and I think luckily enough, like I just spoke to the people where, you know, I, I think enough people were in those positions to be like, I want to write something about Colt. And uh, yeah, it bubbled me right to the top. That's awesome. Yeah. So before we get into stories, we like to ask our guests, what, if anything, is your background in science? And that has ranged from lessons you liked or hated as a kid to blowing stuff up in the woods with your friends. Hmm. I mean, here's what I could tell you is that I got a D in biology my sophomore <laughs> year from Mr. Motsko who hated my guts. And then 20 years later, I did a live uh, Jordan Jesse go in Chicago on stage. And there was Mr. Motsko who met me after the show telling me how <laughs> proud he was of me <laughs> and how he's such a comedy, like a comedy podcast nerd. And he's listened to me on, on all the different stuff. And like we became quick buddies. I realized, you know, at the time, I was 15. He was 25. So he was like, you know, I realized like we were like the same age, but in my head, he was like an old man. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, had so essentially comedy would have brought us together, but science kept us apart. (laughs) (laughs) That's such the log line for a movie poster where you're leaning up against each other's backs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With a shade tip. Definitely someone's shade tip in that picture. So I'm not. I Yeah, that's. I wasn't very good at school. I'm not very good at school. I have self-diagnosed ADHD and um, and the one where you can't uh, read very well. I forgot uh, where you mix up the letters. Dyslexia. I have self-diagnosed dyslexia. It's not it's not officially, but I just assume I have it, uh, like a, like a touch of it. Um, you know, when I had science teachers that were really good, it was fun 
But I also hated school so much that I just didn't want to pay attention. But when somebody like really broke it down and, and, and did fun experiments, I always loved the fun experiments and stuff like that. Um, that's that's my extent of science. Do I need more stuff? What do that's you... plenty. Okay, that's great. <laughs> that's actually, it's funny. Earlier you mentioned uh, Brooks Whelan. He is our original third co-host. Of course. And the original, oh, you knew that. I didn't yes. know if you knew. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was pandering to you. Too. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, See, another. Again, that's the pro wrestler. He knows how to work a crowd. Uh, yeah, Thank yeah. You. Another overlap. Um, did you actually grow up in Deerfield or were you just born there? Yeah, grew up there for sure. That's I lived in Deerfield. Um, really, Deerfield, Illinois, only from '81 to '82. So we overlapped by a couple of years. Yeah, I think I went to like preschool and kindergarten in Deerfield. And you know where the bakery is? Of course, best I, smiley face cookies in the biz. That was my best friend when I was four or five. Was Tim Schmidt, whose dad was the baker. So we I went to a, I went to school with Jackie, his sister. Wow, I don't. I babysat Jackie. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Oh, it's Tim and I used to ride our bikes up to the back door of the bakery and get free donuts and stuff. Hi, welcome to Deerfield. Todd. Yeah. <laughs> where, where is Deerfield? Is that? It's a Chicago suburb. Yeah, I didn't is know it that. north? Which side of town is Northwest it? suburbs? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh for those who. Well, this is, I know this is, I don't want to be too, um, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Like, uh, uh, I forget the word. That's the dyslexia coming in. But, um, if, for those who watched the Michael Jordan documentary, that's where the Birdo Center was, where, where everybody, where the Bulls practiced was in Deerfield. Oh. So where Michael Jordan, like, announced his retirement and all of those practices, those were all in Deerfield. Deerfield. Saw Scotty Pippen in a Baker Square restaurant there one time. I saw Scotty Pippen buy beer as a young athlete and be like, Wait, he drinks beer? <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. Yeah. Did, did you did you play sports growing up in high school? Uh, yeah, and I played one year of college football where I was known as the worst collegiate college football player <laughs> of all time. <laughs> how, how do you pull that off? Uh, well, I redshirted as a freshman, and then uh, I didn't even want to play. I didn't even want to go to college because I just wanted to wrestle, but my parents were like, you got to wrestle. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll go to the best school I could possibly go to so it looks good on my wrestling resume. So I went to the best school I could go to that would accept me, and obviously that made me the worst player. And then after a year, I quit and started wrestling. Uh, but did you also do like amateur wrestling? No, I don't like the fake stuff. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is there uh, uh, there was a thing in Portland? I don't know if there are a lot of towns that have this called Portland Organic Wrestling. Has that crossed your radar at all in the last twenty years? It hasn't, but there's definitely stuff like that around. Seattle too has stuff, kind of fun stuff like that too. Very much more about like it's almost more sketch comedy than uh, than wrestling, but um, very but very funny like creative characters. They would come back and yeah, you know, I wrestle like I, like I said, I've done like every, I've basically done like basically everything, and I I do. You know, I wrestle for the Insane Clown Posse, and I also wrestle for a show in L.A. called Lucha Vavoom. Maybe you guys have oh, heard of that. Oh, yeah. That's, That's uh, great. Yeah. yeah, I've been to that. I've never been to that show when you've been on. I think I've always been, like, busy or out of town whenever you've been in to do it, which is annoying. But a uh, friend of the show, Blank Apache, is the resident host of that. And amazing. So funny, too. He's yeah. hilarious. He's the best. Uh, so, yeah, that, if for, for people who don't know who haven't... Because this is also a touring show, but Lucha Vavoom is a kind of mix of... Uh, Mexican style wrestling and then also burlesque and they normally have at least they have Blaine and at least one or two other guest comedians co-commentating yeah, yeah the Tom Kenny usually does it uh the Sklar brothers have been up there I think Jeff Davis is that correct yep of Harmontown fame yes yeah and uh Drew Carey I think yes. sometimes pops in because he's very good friends with Blaine 
Yeah, it's always it's like it's my I mean, it's my everything. I love doing it. You know, it's I love comedy. I love wrestling. I don't hate burlesque. And um, <laughs> and so and, and what I love most, too, is like I love the weirdness of pro wrestling. So like that's not a typical wrestling show. So for me to be around that is is so much fun, too, because just to see the nuances and the and the weirdness of the interaction and especially like the kind of like the hipster crowd that doesn't really would go to the typical wrestling shows that I go to to see how they get into it and stuff. Right. And, and, um, and to bring merchandise because for some reason those fans have a lot more money than, uh, the normal ones do. So. <laughs> well, then, so I know they, they normally, because it is Lucha and Luchador style, they normally have a fair number of actual Mexican wrestlers in there. How often in, when you wrestle in the normal things, how much is that, is that the case? How often do you sort of, uh, cross pollinate with the Mexican wrestlers. Sometimes, you know, I I've traveled. I've done a, a lot of tours of Mexico myself. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers from from Lucha Vivum, his name is Cassandro. He brought me on a tour of the border towns of Texas and Mexico, which oh, was pretty crazy. One of the crazier tours I've ever done. And the tour was actually sponsored by the cartel. And they were like, <laughs> they were. I was like, is this okay? And they're like, oh yeah, you want the cartel on your side as opposed to the police. Oh my um, god. <laughs> <laughs> and so um so yeah so i'll i'll mix and a lot of times some of the luchadores will come over and do shows uh in america so i i've been on a lot of shows with with uh different lucha wrestlers and then when i'm at lucha vivo I'll, I'll tell you a little secret well i'll tell you what i won't i'm not there but there's a wrestler named matt classic in a mask who's a very old-timey wrestler uh, right. who, who, who has, has a very a, similar build to you very similar <laughs> build to me and weirdly the same passport which is odd but <laughs> Uh, so, so that's what, yeah, you, you won't necessarily see Colt Cabana at Lucha Vavoom, but Matt Classic shows up a lot. Oh, watch out for Matt Classic. Mm -hmm. That's um, great. I, and Matt, Matt Classic wears a mask? He does. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm going through the, uh, the stories that listeners have emailed in. I've got to do a little bit of cherry picking because I, I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if when you last looked at the Probably Science email account, Andy, but someone appears to have signed us up to Match.com as a 40-something woman called... Uh, Sherry. Sherry, yeah, Sherry. Yeah, I, I did notice that, yeah. Suddenly we're <laughs> getting two or three emails a day from Matt with a... Which, which is funny in in jest. Like, the idea of it is kind of funny they signed you up, but not, you know, not now that you have to do all the admin and stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I, this is the first well, time I can't even work out what, I what area we're something, in. I didn't even know... It. <laughs> I can't either. I'm looking at the dudes who are our matches to see where they might live. I'm feeling like this is a Midwestern account, but I, I don't know why. How, how I could just know that from Matt Classic, 68, big chest. Barrel chested, uh, strapping gentleman. Yeah. Um, so in the, in the meantime, masks we'll... on either. <laughs> Wear your in mask. The meantime, yeah. we'll... <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good point. What was. Were luchadors safer than the average wrestler during oh. the peak you, of COVID? You'd have to think so. Actually, I I, I know it, it's a, it's kind of a bit, but um, the, the luchadors got a lot of love in Mexico for like um, uh, there. I don't know if you saw that it kind of went viral where they were if people weren't wearing masks, they would be luchadors and they would like put make people wear masks, which is like it was fun and funny, but definitely like if they weren't luchadors, they'd just be getting arrested. But on the news, like everyone seemed to love it. Like they're forcibly just... putting masks onto people. Yes, yes, like wrestlers. <laughs> but also, you're like, oh, but you're a luchador, so right. how can I stay mad at you? 
Right. So it's newsworthy in like the good section. Yeah. That's actually great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is great, like, but like I, celebrity I don't think you're allowed a really to do good that. example. Yeah. So, Matt. Yes. Hey, as Andy. I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I am full of regret right now. Yeah, you know, you, you, you could have been a quarter of a million dollars richer, but no one's perfect. Right, yeah. Um, I definitely dropped the ball on a very basic Jeopardy thing, which is know your Shakespeare. And you know what I could have used to know my Shakespeare better? Oh, if only there was some kind of great course. <laughs> Our longtime sponsor, The Great Courses Plus. They have so much information, and I just, a cursory search showed uh, that there's a lecture series I could have consulted on Shakespeare's tragedies and an entire episode uh, dedicated not just to King Lear, but to the parts of King Lear in which um, Edgar, the Edgar Allan Poe namesake that would have allowed me to advance to the next round, thwarts his father's suicide, and that's discussed. All these things that I could have been consulting um, with this incredible resource that we've talked about for nigh these... uh, Many years is, is that even is yeah. nigh even the right whatever? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yes. There's there's nigh way to know unless yeah. we unless we bury down in these the great causes plus lectures. They've been our sponsor for a long time now, and we're very happy for them because, as you probably know, if you're a regular listener to the show, they have an expansive catalog of lectures on just about any subject you may choose to decide to drop into. At, at by the way, at university standards as well. Taught right. by top experts in their field, chosen for both their knowledge and their ability at communication. And if you listen to this podcast, it's probably because partly you enjoy learning new things. And this is a great way to do that. It's a streaming service that you can use on your phone, on your set-top box, on your computer. Uh, you can listen to it as though it were a podcast or watch the videos. And they're all professionally produced and with top-notch professors. And you don't have to wait until you're about to be on a nationally syndicated no. quiz show. You could try it right now, right today. <laughs> For, for free, in fact. Yep. If you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably, you'll get a free trial and then 20% off when you sign up for an annual membership. And also, I think I mentioned this before, but other contestants in the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions who advanced beyond the quarterfinals were using this more than I was <laughs> for things like st- boning up on classical music. Yeah, it's great. Uh, not just if you're preparing for a game show, but also if you just like to learn new things. So once again, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably will give you a free trial and a 20% off of an annual subscription. So thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. So before we, so while we're picking through the various men in our area who want to meet us, <laughs> uh, let's, let's do this story that I found on the New Scientist website because it feels very our show worthy. I'm surprised no one sent it in. I'm surprised you had I'm to surprised. find this maybe, story. Maybe they did and I missed it, but pigs can breathe oxygen via their rectum, so humans probably can too. That's what I've been saying. Haven't you I have, been saying have. I, I've okay. got to, I've got to be honest. I, I apologize to you and please take your straw back with, with my apologies <laughs> and my blessing. Um, piping an oxygen-rich liquid through the anus could be a lifesaver. A new treatment for failing lungs that involves such a process has been successfully tested in pigs. Yes, pigs, of course, mm-hmm. having very similar physiologies to humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, people with low blood oxygen levels may be treated in intensive care by being put on a ventilator, which blows air into their lungs. But this usually requires sedation and can injure delicate lung tissue. It can be really de- damaging, says uh, Takanori Takebi at the Tokyo Medical and Dental University. Takebi wondered if people could absorb oxygen through their intestines, which happens in some freshwater fish. 
See, it only takes one dreamer. Yeah. Uh, so, but this, um, in mammals, the rectum is lined with a thin membrane that allows absorption of certain compounds into the bloodstream. And doctors already exploit this by giving some medicines as suppositories. And it doesn't mention this in this article, but of course, some uh, college kids also exploit that by sure. uh, butt chugging beer. Uh, we have to delete that now because now you're encouraging it by even mentioning it, right? Oh, I, I, I'm not encouraging no. <laughs> it. I, I, I'm actively discouraging this. I think we should only be college kids. You should not be butt chugging anything except for oxygen rich right. liquids. Yes. In lieu what? of ventilation. Right. Takabia's team tested the idea on pigs by giving them enemas of a type of fluid called a uh, perfluorocarbon, which can hold high levels of oxygen. Such fluids have been investigated as a way of breathing liquids and are already used to help protect the lungs of premature babies, so are likely to be non-toxic when used in this novel way, says Takabi. The researchers anesthetized four pigs and put them on a ventilator that gave them a lower breathing rate than normal, so like an anti-ventilator. Uh. Like the, the opposite of a ventilator there. Or what it normally does. Breath restrictor, kind of. Yeah, so their blood oxygen levels fell. When they gave two of the pigs enemas of the oxygenated fluid, replaced once an hour, their blood oxygen levels rose significantly after each infusion. The same effect happened when the fluid was delivered by a tube surgically inserted into the rectums of the two other pigs. Hmm. So this is... Is it... I'm, I'm trying to remember now, was it... Is it the abyss? I was just gonna. I was waiting for the article to talk about the abyss because I was like, "Was that's why I haven't seen it in twenty years at least." But I, I, yeah, it was one of those scenes where, like, at least people, kids my age, told each other that that was uh, not only a real thing you can do, but that they actually did that in the shooting of the movie. Which I'm guessing they didn't actually breathe that liquid right in the movie. Let's Google this. I never saw the abyss. It's uh, early James Cameron, or I guess mid James Cameron. Um, and- and you guys don't have your the video camera's not on, right? No. Yeah, no, okay. our videos video cameras are not on. Okay, good. You, so you can't see the boner I have right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could tell somehow. <laughs> it's just I could yeah, you could we, there's just a sense. Okay. Oh no. Uh, I gotta start <laughs> thinking of baseball. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Wait. The abyss does feature a scene with a rat submerged in and breathing fluorocarbon fluid, which is what we're talking about. So that is real. I guess the human part of it. Is, as shot in the movie is not uh, let's see I don't think they actually made one of the actors do that that seems like it would be a risky proposition proposition, or proposition. yeah so, so to, to fill people in who haven't seen the film there is a there is a point where because they are diving so deep and to the to a level of depth where it would be dangerous pressure wise to be breathing any kind of air they instead breathe oxygen rich liquid which is that bait is that a real thing you can actually do you can well that's what we're talking about in this article yeah it can be done but i don't think they actually shot the actors doing that right there's these perfluorocarbons the only scenes i remember i remember there being like a scene where they test where they put a mouse in the liquid and it survived that was real yes so if it's oxygen rich like liquid would it make it h2o2 or h2o3 h2o2 is hydrogen peroxide so that that wouldn't so, be so yeah, yeah that wouldn't work was, that would that's bleach. God, I was desperately trying to make whatever science joke I could oh, make. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just ruined it with the, taking it literally. Sorry. Uh, I thought by a- adding some some more O's onto that H, we would get there. But <laughs> theoretically, but I, I, I don't know what it is. I actually, like oxygen. I'm googling it. Uh, rich liquid. The perfluorocarbons are hydrocarbons. Um, let me see. I want an example of one of the actual 
chemical compositions of these. Um, yeah, I don't know why the fluorine has to be in there or the chlorine, but... Uh, or the schmorline or the schmorline. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All the leans. None of these. Is, but yeah, the abyss... Is that the was chlorine a, just for like swimming pool reasons, just in case someone's peed in the breathing liquid as well? Exactly, right. And it turns purple if you've peed. Just to yeah. stop verrucas. Stop uh, what? Verrucas. What are verrucas? Is that not Veruca a word salt? that Americans use at all? Only Veruca from salt. only from Willy Wonka and, and the nineties band. So oh what, wait, what? no, I do know that. Is that when you get a cold and you put it in it, water? Veruca. Veruca is a it, oh, a wart that's on the sole of your foot. That's kind of compressed oh, on the sole mind. of your foot. What's the stuff you put in water that's like an Alka Seltzer that dissolves if you're sick? It's all a it, brand. Oh, uh, it's like orange flavored. Oh, that's Baraka. Baraka. That was close. What about that character who's afraid of flying on the A team? <laughs> What's that one called? Is that Barack Obama? <laughs> oh, that was going to be my next one, though. <laughs> B.A. Baracus? B.A. Baracus, yeah, yeah. Well done, well done. Thank you, thank you. Um, anyhow, perfluorocarbons and pig butts. Where were we? Um, I mean, that was the full article. That was, oh, okay. It, it doesn't go into any more depth. Yeah. I mean, um, it's... It's definitely eye-opening or butt-opening. Yeah, this is a lot lot of Her options. Op- <laughs> well, I, I do wonder whether this is something that, you know, we could have used in the last 12 months when people were desperately needing to get oxygen into their systems. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't really understand the whole, uh, from what I understand, people might have actually been put closer to death in some cases by being unnecessarily or early, too early put on to ventilators but i don't know the process by which that's harmful to you but i guess it is right i i think if we knew this information the bdsm world could have completely been flipped upside down yeah. as like, the saviors we, of covid yeah. right it's like the first responders almost <laughs> <laughs> they've got all the latex already so they're clean yeah. like they don't need extra ppe yeah. i mean it does also open you up to all, all sorts of extra possibilities if you can have a complete like if you completely shut off breathing and still not kill someone. Wait, yeah. shut off your your breathing. And wait, explain that. I mean, like you can you, if you you can completely cover like cover someone's head completely with latex, right? No, like oh, no breathing you, through the nose, the but still, suit. right? Still yeah. keep them perfectly anally saturated. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I think I I probably knew this information because um, not me, but somebody I know has seen a lot of adult movies where um, <laughs> is this you, is this he wear a mask? Yes, yeah, okay. very burial chested. Yeah. Weirdly, has the same passport as me. Okay. But, um, <laughs> where like you know like the uh, the anal gland like protrudes kind of like in it like man like you know have you ever seen the one that's like kind of like. A prolapse. Yeah, prolapsed, yes. which now we've just learned that that's just that person taking a deep breath out. Right. <laughs> and take, then taking a deep breath in. That's just an anal cough. Yes. Yeah. It's just, just basically singing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, <laughs> it, 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 it does have like a very, this does have a very porny feel to it, this whole story. It does feel like the porn version of a, like, it's no use. We're going to have to go in through the butt. <laughs> it's just. Also, What's by the-, the way, when I just when I just Google liquid breathing or oxygen rich liquid to breathe, the the four preview photos on Google, um, two of them are diagrams. One of them looks like an astronaut, and then one of them is just it just looks like the cover from Nevermind, the Nirvana album, but with a full grown man. Like it's just like there's just a like a naked man just below the surface, sort of looking up. <laughs> Why is he have to be naked? Oh, I don't know. Well, he might be wearing trunks, but it's it's cut off before. Oh, okay. 
just trying to be that same picture. I'm just picturing like the matrix, like a, a world where we're all in vats and just hooked. We have tails. We're just hooked up via the butt into some sort of matrix. I don't know to what end, what the purpose of this is, but I have a lot of shame right now as I am a huge movie connoisseur, but I also have never seen The Matrix. You are lying right now. I know. It's something that I've been meaning to, and I just haven't. I think it actually would hold up. The sequel's not so much, but the first Matrix is a pretty pretty good movie. I believe it to be, yeah. So I don't know your reference, but I bet it was the best. No, nah, it's just there. They're, I mean, actually, spoiler alert. Do you want to know any spoilers about The Matrix? Uh, there's a pill, Neo. I get it. <laughs> that's that's it. That's true. You become Republican when you take it, I think. Is that yeah, what the, it tells you what the truth about. is about women. Yeah. yeah. That is, I don't know how the sort of the community that has co-opted the whole red pill, blue pill analogy feels about the fact that both of the directors of that movie are now out as trans women. They both are? Yeah. No. The Wachowskis? Yep. I did not. I knew one was. Um, Wachowski sisters. Okay. Huh. Wow. I had no idea. They own Deerfield Bakery? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Lana and Lily, formerly Larry and Andy. Ah, Cool. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, Um, There's a fun... uh, Here we are. I'm going through the actual emails now that aren't trying to set us up with Midwest men in their 40s. Right. Okay. There is a there's a nice little sort of environmental story that is about um sorry, I I just got slightly distracted because my sister's just had a baby. Oh wow, congratulations. Wait, in the room? Yeah, like right here, right now. Sorry, I, she kept it very quiet. Yeah. Oh, I can almost hear it. Wait, I what was... what did I just hear? You you heard Holly cheering in the background, who is not. <laughs> oh, I th- I thought you had some on cue doing a baby squeal sound. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that wasn't me doing some sound effects, but also throwing my voice. Thank you. That's awesome. Oh, also, Colt, I realized I, I wasn't babysitting Jackie. I would have been four or five. I, I just knew <laughs> I, I knew Jackie. No, no, no. No, no, you were, you were an advanced babysitter. I get it. <laughs> yeah. That is small world, though. Sorry, Matt, you were saying. Or actually, sorry, you probably lost your story because of... I did. Lo- I slightly lost my train of thought. That's okay. I can queue up a story for us if you Just like. over six and a half pounds. 2.99 oh, kilograms. There we go. Did I don't you know say why. Boy or, you said boy? I forgot. Uh, a girl. Girl. Oh. Is your sister in America or England? She is in Australia. That's, of course, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, what is. Hang on. How many pounds are there in. How many ounces are there in a pound? I can never Six, remember. This is 16. a question for you two. <laughs> 16 ounces in a pound. You have to figure out uh, what kilograms baby, the baby is? Or what would you Yeah, well, there's a, really, there's a really dumb thing that Google. Google's normally extremely good at like conversion and all that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. for some reason, whenever you convert from meters to feet or kilograms to pounds, it doesn't give it to you in pounds and ounces or feet and inches. It gives you. So it goes like, oh, that 2.99 kilograms, that is 6.5918 pounds. So now you, now you then have to do like what's 0.59 times 16 to go like, okay, it's nine, uh, nine and a half ounces. Right. To okay. be fair, I actually did know how many ounces are in a pound due to how much merchandise I ship out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because so, that's something that you always have to do with the post office. Yeah, what's your? Do you have your own like cottage industry of you? You actually 
make your own merch or you just handle it? You have it uh, yeah, I've been doing my own merch. I've been doing my own merch for 20 years now. ColtMerch.com. Quick plug oh, there. Um, where I do have a documentary about comedy uh, comedy and wrestling. Comedy wrestling. But um, yeah, I've done my own merch for so long. that, And then, you know, for years with Art of Wrestling, you know, Stamps.com was a, a, a sponsor and all that stuff. So um, I got my little scale and I weigh everything and I'm up to date with ounces and ounces and pounds awesome um do people do you have any fans who want things uh, knowing that you're actually handling them do you have to like uh get things sweaty for any fans for extra money at all or not? <laughs> oh well i mean i do sell uh ring worn stuff oh cool. um I, you know i'm gonna say maybe 10 percent of that group wants it for the reasons you're joking about right i'm not even joking i'm saying i'm guessing there are fans who want you to send them sweaty like right i don't know right i guess 10 okay. percent. i'm gonna say for okay. that reason uh the other 90 percent, i think and, and i'm on that side i really think it's really cool to have like i feel it's like a game worn jersey exactly, and stuff. But, right. but there are people believe me and when i was younger and cuter there were <laughs> there were people that wanted uh like you know, weird socks and underwear. I'd get those, uh, sure. Those requests, which, you know, I mean, hey, money's money. That's what I Exa- said. I would do that. If, if <laughs> right. any fans want any of that shit, hit me up. Yeah, if anyone wants the underwear that we were wearing to podcast in, <laughs> I'll give you my, um, my, my, ma- my makeup covered, um, N95 mask from the Jeopardy tournament. There you go. If also, Matt, Matt has access to placenta if you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's supposed to scramble up well. Not not from this particular occasion, just in general. Just, it's right. just being... <laughs> He's an enthusiast, an aficionado, if you will. Uh, so I just put a link there if you guys want to check out this article that was Yeah, it's in... my it's my merchandise store. <laughs> oh no. Before that, I thought okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Miller sent us this article about a robotic third thumb uh, whose use can alter brain representation of the hand. And if you click oh, on that, yeah, that was like, oh, I love this. Look at that picture. You got you got opposable thumbs on the same hand, like two opposing thumbs. Um, so yes, the, the using a robotic third thumb can impact how the hand is represented in the brain. Finds a new study led by UCL researchers. The team trained people to use a robotic extra thumb and found they could effectively carry out dexterous tasks like building a tower of blocks with one hand that now has two thumbs. The researchers report in the journal Science Robotics that participants trained to use a thumb also increasingly felt like it was part of their body. Designer Danny Claude began developing the device called the third thumb, appropriately. Um, <laughs> Great as, name. Sure, yeah. As, as part of an award-winning graduate project at the Royal College of Art, seeking to reframe the way we view prosthetics from replacing a lost function to an extension of the human body. She was later, later invited to join Professor Tamar Macon's team of neuroscientists at UCL who were investigating how the brain can adapt to body augmentation. Uh, Professor Macon, lead author of the study, said, body augmentation is a growing field aimed at extending our physical abilities, yet we lack a clear understanding of how our brains can adapt to it. By studying people using Danny's cleverly designed third thumb, we sought to answer key questions around whether the human brain can support an extra body part and how the technology might impact our brain. Um, is our, that our, Danny this, in the picture? I, hmm, good question. There's no caption there. Yeah. I'm guessing so. Uh, our listeners she will like... very happy to, with that thumb. It's a pretty cool thumb. Yeah. yeah. It looks way stronger than your real thumb, or at least bigger. And it's on, yeah, on the wrong side of the hand. Or the right side, if you uh, if you like the new one more than the old one. It also looks more of a big finger than an extra thumb. <laughs> yeah, what, what makes, hmm, I guess just the fact that it's positioned opposite the thumb makes it a thumb i don't know 
And I don't know, in AEW, uh, I'm a part of a group called the Dark Order, and putting up our hand in a claw-like motion is our, like, thing. We always do that. Oh, nice. So this could be a huge game changer for us, and big for merch, too. Yeah. (laughs) Although this has got to be considered performance enhancing. There must be some some rule against extra thumbs, right? Oh, especially, I I think right away, basketball. Oh, yeah, Yeah, right? One-handedness. you could palm the f out of a basketball. I'm gonna say, I, I I'm not, I'm not the most knowledgeable about the world of pro wrestling, but I think when it comes to elements like that, they are slightly looser on the whole performance enhancing things than maybe some other sports. No, why do you say that? <laughs> Just, like you know, I, I don't remember. A, I think like for example, the NBA really clamps down on performance enhancing chairs. And, uh, <laughs> oh. I thought you were about the look of some of these people's bodies. Oh, well, that's also possible. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this thumb, which is 3D printed, our listeners are big 3D printing fans. Um, it's very easy to customize. As we said, it's up on the side of your hand by, the, by your pinky. And it's actually controlled uh, with pressure sensors on your feet on the undersides of your big toes. Um, it's wirelessly connected to the thumb. Both toe sensors control different movements of the thumb by immediately mm. responding to subtle changes of pressure from the wear. I don't like that. No? You don't like no. having to use your toes? Because it's like you got to do work to do work. I thought I thought it was just your brain tells it to do, to move, and there we go. Well, that, that would probably be, be the next step, but I'd imagine it would be kind of become second nature. Yeah, it sounds like that. Yes, for, for, this, for this study, they had uh, 20 participants who were trained to use this thumb over five days, during which they were also encouraged to take the thumb home each day after training it. Uh, to training to use it in daily life scenarios. Is this to to check to make sure you're responsible enough to have a thumb of your own? That's right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, it's like high school look, yeah. with the baby bringing a baby home. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you if you can look after this thumb, then you can be trusted with your own real yeah. thumb. Which I think we've talked about this. Didn't it turn out that like pre- uh, teen pregnancies went up in those schools because teen girls realized they actually liked taking care of babies. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I think funny. that's true. I, I think that's. I yeah. do remember that being. That is one of those like massively counterproductive interventions yeah because i Um, guess that kind of makes sense because it's not like it's in our genetic wiring to want to yeah yeah and also (laughs) i I know this i know it cried and that's sort of annoying but also think about how big the market is for dolls that like, like kids tv Every other advert is for some doll that has some level of realistic, like you right. can feed it, and it, you know, it you, wets itself, right? Yeah, and like all, all that, like that's an actual thing that you buy for a kid that wants it on on the birthday. Right, Make it right. play basketball every single day so it gets a scholarship and makes you rich <laughs> when you grow up. Have it slowly it, grow distant from you as it presents the fact that it wasn't given autonomy over its life choices. Yeah. Make it play golf every single day, and then they will get in a, in a car accident when you're older. <laughs> oh, Tiger. Did we ever find out what was going on there? Was it also ambient? I thought there was I, something sketchy about the most recent crash that didn't come out or something. He was speeding. We caught, we, we caught just, that, I heard. Just, just that. Okay. Anyhow, maybe if he had an extra thumb, he would have had a better grip on the steering wheel. Uh, Great tie back. If he'd taken it home for a total of two to six hours of wear time, which the participants did, um, those people were compared with another group of 10 control participants who wore a static version of the thumb. What is that? So it doesn't do anything? Uh, while completing the same training. Um, so during daily sessions in the lab, participants were trained to use the thumb, focusing on tasks that help increase the cooperation between their hand and the thumb, such as picking up multiple balls or wine glasses with one hand. Oh, I'm base. watching a video. I'm watching a is video. Is there a video of it? Yes. Down there? Where is it? Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to watch that too now. 
Oh, b- by the way, great podcasting, uh, great podcasting. I know, right? Um, apologies <laughs> to two different listeners, by the way. Um, we were like, why hadn't anyone sent in the um, the breathing through the anus story? Of oh, course they, they had. They did. <laughs> of course they had. Thank you, Eric Boisbert and Paul Moxworthy, who both sent us the slightly more subtly named mammals can breathe through their intestines. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's Rather not like, pig you can butt chug air. Yeah. But of course they did. Thank you. Thank yes. you, listeners. You never let us down. Uh, so yes, back to this thumb, which, yeah, if you click on the link, which we'll have in the show notes, you can also see that video of it being used. Um, these participants learned the basics very quickly. Uh, uh, they were even able to use the thumb when distracted, uh, building a wooden block tower while doing a math problem or maths problem or while blindfolded. Um, they said the study shows that people can learn the qu- quickly learn to control an augmentation device and use it for their benefit without overthinking. We saw that while using the third thumb, people ch- changed their natural hand movements, and they also reported that the robotic thumb felt like part of their own body. So, uh, so I wonder if this is one of those things where if you had it for long enough, you then feel weird when it's taken away. I imagine so. They, they hooked up the participants to fMRIs um, while they were moving their fingers individually when they're not wearing the thumb. They found subtle but significant changes to how the, the hand that had been augmented with the third thumb was represented in the brain's sensory motor context, co- cortex, excuse me. And our brains, each figure is represented distinctly from the others. Among the study participants, the brain activity pattern corresponded, corresponding to each individual finger became more similar or less distinct. And of course, fMRIs are way better than AMRIs. Is that right? But what is that? Like, oh, it, it, comes, it comes through a little cleaner, I guess, on the airwaves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. It's, uh, you get stereo, I think. And, uh, yeah. Although AMRI so you, so does travel quite- farther. But. It does, but there's also you know f- not not as many opinions on the fMRI, <laughs> right? Or sports talk. <laughs> um, yeah, this this video is pretty wild. I mean, all it makes me think like, do you guys get sad? And I'm sure the listeners do too. I, I sometimes get really sad that we're just not going to know what life is like in like 500 years. Um, just because like how far we've come in 500 years like that's that's the only thing that like i don't even like care about like death or whatever like i just wish i knew what was going to happen in 500 years and how far like everything has gone yeah i mean i guess that's that's an optimistic way of looking at it um you're not at all worried about what 500 years might look like oh fair enough yeah (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense too (laughs) i guess i'm showing my um where my allegiances lie as far as optimism pessimism but uh i don't know i think we're gonna we're gonna live to see some interesting stuff in the next couple decades and i'll just say interesting is is the, <laughs> the best way to put it just, whoa just, it's like you have intel on this no, are you I not telling us something what do you what do you know about that how I don't do we know? Not, what, with with how things have changed in just the last 30 years how do we not see that that rate increasing and and things i know that's why even, it's so exciting and that's why in uh, 500 years it's gonna be wild but like right now we've got you know, people who are trying to get to Mars and then just tons of blowback on Earth of people are like, why are you trying to go to Mars, you dork? We hate you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think everything's always heading in the, in the direction of, of progress and technology being our savior. Like the New York Times stopped even having a, a, a tech section or I forgot what they called it, like gadget. They basically said like technology is no longer an exciting thing. It's a thing that we all dread and we don't want to write about it anymore. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, can they, can they say that when technology includes things like extra thumbs? I know, and, right? And by the way, um, stop the presses. Just an extra story came in. I don't mean to keep pulling it back to this story, but you know, sometimes we'll talk about something on the show, and then one of the listeners will have a follow up sure. to it. And uh, 
you may remember about 20 minutes ago we were talking about breathing through the through the anus and uh, how, how could i forget <laughs> yeah listener uh, holly gabrielson from arvada colorado heard that <laughs> and uh sent in this story the, the turtles breathe out of their butts as well oh the, uh, the, the term is cloacal respiration and i feel like we may have i feel like we may have covered this on the show before I feel it's I feel it's a specific teenage one that are mutated a bit. <laughs> it, it, it loves pizza and breathing on yeah. its butt and martial arts. Yeah, that's it. said it's it's always accompanied by an incredibly disappointed rat. <laughs> Would you describe Splinter as always disappointed? I'd say he's I'd say he, there's an ele- there's always an element of uh, there's a certain amount of pride, uh-huh. but there's also you know holds- just just when they've done something that, to be to be proud of. Then they'll sort of, they'll ruin it with some partying activities okay, that will at least make him roll his eyes and realize that they have a, you know. They're you can, still teenagers at they're heart. They're still teenagers. And they're still They're still one quarter of their personality. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is sort of like a slightly disappointed parent who just holds them to a higher standard than, than they hold themselves. We, we, we've talked before on the show. I don't know. This has come up a surprising number of times how... In Britain, they weren't allowed to call them ninjas. Because you did, but I forgot uh, hold on. why. Yeah, was it fighting turtles or? Yeah, it was. It, they were or called hero heroes, turtles, right? Hero yeah, turtles. He- yeah, that's exactly it. Hero turtles. So the the theme tune was re-recorded as Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And, okay. But but none of the rest of it uh, was changed. For those of you who don't speak Spanish, that's why <laughs> in Spanish. <laughs> so they still had like. So it was just the word ninja that they decided was a bad influence on the kids, but they still were allowed to have like a massive sword. <laughs> oh, just that it's inherently violent. It wasn't like some kind of cultural appropriation thing or something. No. Oh, God, no, no. This was oh, like oh, 80s okay. Britain. They're, right, like right. the words cultural appropriation are not even being <laughs> Fair considered. Enough. Fair enough. Like, I think, I think around that time, full on blackface was <laughs> quite acceptable. So, yeah, they were the idea that ninja. Well, hang on a second. Ninja, ninjas and ninjutsu—that's someone else's culture, not for a no, second. Not that. Not that. Okay. No, it was more like if we call them ninjas, then our kids will, you know, want to fight or something. But so we'll call them heroes instead, and we'll tell them that these people with swords are heroes. <laughs> Did you also have like, uh, were there war? Was there, was there a British version of GI Joe? Yes, Ooh, and it was question. called Action Man. Was it really? Yeah, but it's exactly the same thing. Action, that's the most generic action figure name I've ever heard. <laughs> well, it sounds like at, it's been translated from the Spanish or something. Yeah. Ask, ask Matt what uh, what the UK's name of uh, Hulk Hogan, their biggest wrestler, was. Matt, what is the name of Oh, wait, I don't, I don't even know this. Who was the biggest wrestler in that time? His name was Big oh, Daddy. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant like an, his actual... <laughs> no, no, no. No, the equivalent... Oh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, from the just overlapped with when i was a kid when we had the the world of wrestling on itv sports and it was um it was yeah the big rivalry was big daddy versus giant haystacks yeah big daddy maybe one of the lamest wrestling names of all time and also i i i am not the connoisseur and knowledge base when it comes to wrestling that you are but i'm pretty sure that he was also not a good wrestler no one of the worst of course <laughs> His, his, his like I know I know you know even pro wrestling to this day has a tradition of like the what they call it like the monster heel or the just the massive guys who uh but they generally have these days have a certain amount of athleticism and <laughs> do more than just be big <laughs> just, yeah. 
Well, Big Daddy was it was basically like imagine like a peanut M M&M, and M but like huge with little arms. <laughs> If you can trust Wikipedia, it says he had a record-breaking 64-inch chest. He was 6'6 and 375. And his real name, Shirley arguably, Crabtree. Ar- arguably a better wrestling name, Shirley Crabtree. Well, right. so, supposedly, I think, I think I'm writing this. Does, does, does Wikipedia say this? I think his, he was called Shirley because of a sort of boy named Sue situation. He was, his, says, his, his dad gave him a girl's name so that he would have to be tough. That's so what... Yep, that's Wikipedia agrees with you, and everyone knows that can never be false. So, yeah, <laughs> his dad was also Shirley. I uh, do you ever mess around with Wikipedia? Every so often, I will. <laughs> like, are, you ta- are you talking about what I just did on Friday or not? Well, I, I, well, that's for good reason. I oh, think okay. that's you. You just confirmed a certain fact that were <laughs> unfairly ruled against you on a certain very well-known TV quiz show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, the, for the record, I never actually touched the Wikipedia article. I just edited it locally on my browser. So, it was, and then yeah, you didn't hit update, but I did. <laughs> it, sometimes it lasts for a while, but I I was very disappointed the other day. For I think it was barely four hours that I managed to have the web page for the Monkees, the band, uh, claiming that they were originally named. Uh, the name was originally spelled Monkees the traditional way but was forced to change because of a copyright claim by Monkeys <laughs> the Animal. <laughs> I, like it. Uh, I saw the Monkeys in concert when I was a kid. What? Oh. It was a double bill. The Monkeys and Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, amazing. Unreal. I wish. I've still never... I saw Weird Al do one song one time at the YouTube space like five years ago, but never got to oh. see a concert. That's right. How come you didn't go when he played? Was it the Greek he played or the bowl? I don't know. I'm sure I, I would have liked to. That was what my story in the interview portion of Jeopardy on Friday was about uh, how I quoted Weird Al um, on my final game of my regular run. And I started jinx myself because the song was I lost on Jeopardy. And then yeah. I've fucking lost again on Friday. So just don't ever bring that song up if you're on Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad <laughs> idea. As, as much as, yeah. It's going to really put you up. It's I've I've told it, told this to our listeners before, but that is the only time I've seen you legitimately starstruck. Uh, oh was, yeah, at was meeting thing? Weird Al backstage at that YouTube thing. I mean, it's literally the first tape of any kind I owned was Weird Al in 3D, 1984 or five or something. Yeah, I, I have the word. same memory of my brother with those um, with the records. Oh Weird yeah, Al. yeah, he's the best. And the monkey's not too shabby. Never got to see them. Uh, I, cause I was told, I've told people this, like my friends before this story and like, uh, my parents like loved it because they, I went for, for the monkeys and my brother got to go for Weird Al, but I only liked the monkeys because on their show, they would do reruns of their show and they were always chasing girls. And I guess I was just like a real horned up little five year old or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like, I got like, you know, like I always thought they were going to grab boobs or something. I don't know. <laughs> If you just watch long enough, they're going to slip up and accidentally, yeah. But the concert sucked. Like, the Weird Al concert was way better than the Monkees. I remember we left halfway through the Monkees because, like, we loved Weird Al and we're like, ah, this kind of sucks. Interesting. I wonder, are they one of those situations where maybe they didn't play on the actual recordings? I mean, I was like seven or eight. I'm not really sure. I just just know for sure I liked that show because of that of said reasons not necessarily because i like their music right the girl chasing more than yeah yeah did you also go and see benny hill in concert (laughs) (laughs) the concert was fast (laughs) yeah the whole thing just somehow takes place in fast motion um Uh, they they were i think i think they they, wasn't the monkeys 
they started off entirely manufactured and then sort of became less manufactured over time where they did start to play and the ones who didn't already play some instruments were basically taught to or learned to play instruments over the course of their existence. That sounds right. And also that the, sounds right. I'm Is almost that... certain their first albums were, and probably most of their actual official releases were in top with just the Wrecking Crew. That sounds right. I, and that, but they had that movie Head that's beloved by um, Monkey fans that was uh, like super odd and psychedelic. And I think that was at the period when they're like writing all their own stuff and was produced by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jesse Thorne did a bullseye once with one of the monkeys and he told that story. That sounds very familiar to me. Let me see if this is true, what I said about Head. Have you guys well, ever heard of that? Well, while you're looking this up, I was going to tell, I was going to introduce a story about a new possible water capturing material. Mm-hmm. I'm sent- also looking up Head, but it's a way different story. <laughs> <laughs> it's- uh, this Scott Vara sent in this story on fizz.org, but then I just saw in the sidebar next to it an, a, a brand new breaking news story. We talked before about tardigrades and their sure, yeah, the, uh, their extremophile nature, their ability to survive some remarkable temperatures and pressures. But also, apparently, according to this new study, they can survive impacts of up to 825 meters per second. Can I be honest with you? Go for it. I I don't know what a tardigrade is. That's a completely gonna, reasonable thing to not know. So they are the, you're gonna love it. They are also known as water bears. Are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. They're they, water what? Sorry. They're also known as the water bear. They are these tiny eight legged animals. If you look at I think I've just put the link in the in the yeah, show I'm looking at it. So that's what they look like, obviously very much um blown up. Under a microscope. Yeah. yeah, this is zoomed in quite a bit. But uh, I don't know how far it's magnified. But anyway, they they basically have been firing them at sand targets, just basically shooting them oh. at 825 meters per second, which is let's find out exactly what that's put, put that in miles per hour as well, just to uh, uh, meters per second. Yeah, stamps.com didn't do meters and miles. Sorry. <laughs> it seems like that's probably like a, a bullet sort of speed. Am I wrong? It's it's pretty fast. That is 1,845 miles an hour. So, like, almost Mach 3. And they're shooting themselves, or someone else is shooting them? Someone is shooting them. Basically, they're, they're loading them into a cannon, firing them at a sandbag. Wait, humans or yeah, an- no, other animals? No, no, humans are doing this in the, in the lab. <laughs> For fun. Is PETA on this, or what? Yeah, PETA doesn't really care about tardigrades, do they? Yeah, I think I think... When it comes to insects, you're pretty much you're free to do. It's just over Mach two. Well, I'll tell you what, Peta, your your tardigrade is an F. Thank you. That's what I've been <laughs> two, saying. Two point four. Two two point four times the speed of sound. They are firing these things into a sandbag and they are surviving. Okay. So they they've made the news due to their hardiness. They were the first known animal to survive the rigors of outer space. They are able to go without water for up to ten years. They can survive extreme pressures and temperatures, including boiling water, and levels of UV radiation that are lethal to most other animals. To achieve these feats, they curl up into a ball and enter a sleep-like state. Yeah, and, and it says right here, Beyonce wrote a song about them. Wow. <laughs> Survivors, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so to find to find out, they found these. They got these 20 tardigrade specimens, put them in a deep freeze first. So this is important. If you've got your tardigrades at home and you're uh, trying this out, 
it's very important to first deep freeze them. Okay. And otherwise you're just going to damage them. And then you place them in groups of two or three into thin cylinders filled with water. The cylinders were then placed inside of a larger cylinder that served as an ammunition shell for a two-stage light gas gun. The garden was placed inside of a vacuum chamber where its shell was fired at a target made of sand. The shots were fired at different speeds to see what impact each would have on the different on the passenger tardigrades. They found that the tardigrade shot from the gun at speeds of up to 825 meters per second could be resuscitated after removal from the cylinder, but higher speed than that, no, no dice. Oh. Like, so you go over 825, you're going to kill your tardigrade people. So what's the res- what's the resuscitation method for these things? The usual. Yeah, mouth to mouth. Mouth to mouth, a few chest compressions. Then you shake their shoulders and shout, stay with me, stay with me. (laughs) You're not going to die on me. Yeah. And you start talking to them about the life we're going to have together. (laughs) When, you know, the first science thing, I guess, I kind of remember in junior high school was like a potato gun. I assume you guys both did that. I don't know. I have... Someone brought one out to my house. I live out in the desert now, and uh, my friend thought that would be an appropriate desert gift. So I have a potato gun in my garage, but we couldn't get it working. And now I've looked up YouTube videos and seen how how awfully wrong they can go when you. <laughs> so I I, I, I I haven't actually fired it yet because I don't. I'm afraid. I I, I, I just how- feel. Go on. No, please go go for, go for it. I, I mean, I just feel we can, you know, we can switch it up. I, I think it'd be great to have a tartar grade gun instead of a potato. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the tiny something little. that just lodges inside your eye, and then you just know you have no way to kill it. <laughs> just how how wrong can these things go then? Oh, the potato. Oh, I mean, if you, I think if the if the seal is so tight, then the actual chamber that ignites could explode, and presumably that's something that's close to. You know, you're, you're, if you're pressing the button, you're close to that. So if the, it's like a PVC tube. It's just a, a, a PVC tube is closed off on one end, sort of. Or, and then you have, in this case, my friend put an igniter in from probably like a gas grill, and you just spray in some kind of aerosol that's that's flammable. It could be just hairspray, and then push a potato down into it. But I think, yeah, if it's too good of a seal, yeah, as long as the potato shoots out, you're fine. You could kill someone with the potato, but like um, you don't want the uh, ignition area to explode on you. And the seal might, uh, sorry, the potato might die, but these terragrades, though. They do not, yeah. They'll they, survive. By the way, I just opened an incognito browser tab to Google tardigrade butt because I've only seen them from the front and their fr- their f- mouths look like butts. And I was like, what do they have going on on the other end? Is this like an omnidirectional animal? Have you guys, you've Google image searched a tardigrade? I'm sure you can I'm see. I'm doing it right now, tardigrade yeah. butt. No, no, you don't have to look. You can just look up tardigrade and you're like, is that a mouth butt? Is this, oh, uh, yeah. I don't. So how differently do their butts look? I can't find tardigrade butt isn't returning. It's returning the same images. So I'm like, is it a is it a symmetrical animal <laughs> to both ends? Oh, it's like race car, right? What's that? Uh, right, like it's a, a, pal- a palindrome animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A animal? A palindrome animal. Oh, man. I can't. If someone can find a tardigrade butt for me, this is really going to keep me up tonight. Yeah. And uh, so send them to probablyscience at gmail.com, the usual address, and mark your envelope tardigrade butt that's exactly what you should do <laughs> um i what what was your worry about not about incognito mode versus cached mode i just don't want to ever have someone be over my shoulder when i'm on my laptop and i type in t-a-r and it auto completes to tardigrade butt you just like, feel like, oh, i guess a lot of people was, are googling that at the moment be, right <laughs> he he weirdly didn't uh do incognito when he typed in 
a pig's asshole. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah, that was fine. That's fine. You would actually have to start a band called Tardigrade Butt just to. It's not a bad name. There's got to be a band called Tardigrades, right? That's, yeah. they're, they're too beloved of an animal not to have a band or two. Yeah. Um, Tardigradebutt.com is open. If you... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> As is tardigradebutt.com is open.com. There you go. <laughs> if your band is called Tardigrade, yep, sure enough, there is a band called Tardigrade. I'd, I'd really love it if it turns out they just didn't last very long. <laughs> yeah, they were shot out of a <laughs> cannon and did not survive. This is a band called Tardigrade. Lasted about three months, disbanded, but, you know, things got a bit too hot. Um, Tardigrade. What kind of music did they play? Uh, it looks like very uh, gothy. Their whole page is very black and white. Um, Tardigrada. What country is this? Switzerland. It sounded uh, like Italy the way you pronounce hey, it. Hey, Tardigrada. <laughs> uh, they have an album called End and Dark the Brightness. Okay, sounds pretty cheery. <laughs> that's, that, that's definitely gothy. Yeah. Tardigrada. Check them out. Or don't. Um, do we have time? I know you said you have to get out of here at five. Uh, yeah, we got time. We got time to squeeze to in an extra story. Let's see if I can drum something up real quick. Um, more more matches from Match.com. Yeah, I. Here's what I think happened with this: is I think someone wanted to look at someone's profile on Match.com, and it makes you sign up to look at profiles, and it made you put in an email address. But then I don't know why they didn't do what I do if I ever have to put in an email address to look at a page, that, and that's just like bang the keyboard randomly and then add, <laughs> at gmail.com. Right. Matt, Matt, you'd appreciate this. Every every time I go to London, which is a lot, the, I guess the first time I did it, I put in for the free Wi-Fi that my name was Dickhead. So <laughs> every time I go to get my Wi-Fi from my browser on my phone, it says, hello, Dickhead. <laughs> When are you next in London? Oh, I guess now it's kind of weird because travel rules are weird. But Yeah, not the right question. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? I would have loved to have done the Fringe, but... Yeah, well, there wasn't a Fringe this last year. There is, or this there year. Is talk of, there is talk of the Fringe happening in some scaled-down version. Some yeah, of but... the bigger names have announced shows, but I think it's going to be... Because everything has to be, I think, still reduced capacity, and the economics of the Fringe were already absurd for anyone who wasn't pulling in over 100 people a night i think the idea that you'd say to someone hey you know how you're already making a loss on your venue well now you have to have 30 percent capacity on that room right Oof. well you know we're running up close to your heart out matt but we can still just try to quickly summarize uh we didn't we haven't talked about the cicadas the brood x that's coming out right now the 17 year cicadas i think we should do that i think we should uh, have, I have a name the, this particular brood, I think it's just Roman numeral 10, uh, Brood X. Yeah, but Brood X sounds it's badass. pretty sweet. Yeah, but yeah. I just put a link to an article about how a fungus full of psychedelic drugs could cause Indiana Brood X cicadas butts to fall off. So it's a very uh, butt-centric episode today. Apologies yeah. for that. You've heard of Indiana Jones. Well, now Indiana <laughs> Brood X is here. <laughs> This month, as billions of brood cicadas emerged from the dirt in Indiana and more than a dozen other states for the first time in 17 years, some of the bugs will suffer a horrific science fiction-like fate. Uh, there's no delicate way to do this, so here's the gist all at once. A fungus laced with the same chemical as psychedelic mushrooms will invade their bodies and eat away their insides until their abdomens crack, fall off, and get replaced with a ball of white spores. Because so if, the- <laughs> this, if this was the movie version, what would happen is these cicadas would be attacking people, and then for some reason, like the one hippie guy in town... 
gets attacked, but then instead they just like die, and he's he's unharmed. They're like, what oh. is it? What is it about him that they can't kill? And then you realize that it's like he's on mushrooms, and then everyone has to be taking mushrooms the rest of the film. The entire country has to. Uh, so because they're either bombed on psilocybin or under the control of the fungus in some other way, the cicadas won't even notice. Uh, with missing butts and full hearts, they'll forge ahead. This is the article's words. They'll forge ahead with their only reason for existing, finding yeah, a South- mate and reproducing. SouthBendTribune.com is going very colloquial with their news here. <laughs> So uh, really what they'll be doing is spreading these spores all over the place because they can't reproduce because they've lost their, their lower halves. Um, said Lil, cicada expert and chair of, the biology, chair of biology at George Washington University, it's a sexually transmitted fungus. They engage in normal courtship behavior, yet their abdomen is a big fungal mess. Instead, the attempted copulation results in spreading the fungus even more. Hmm. Uh, Kershen. Yes. What does the Indiana Brood X and most performers at the Edinburgh Fringe have in common? <laughs> I, I I don't know. What does the Brood X and most performers at the Edinburgh Fringe have in common? They lost their ass. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say they all have STDs, and I was no. like, that's not nice. <laughs> Just lost their Damn ass. Damn it, that was yeah. better. No, no. <laughs> Unnecessary. So, yeah, that's, that's the bulk of the story. Um, so they're going to keep trying to reproduce, and instead they'll just be un- unwittingly spreading this fungus around. I, I don't know what cicadas... Have you been in a cicada outbreak? I, don't I have. As a know. child, I remember it. Really? Yeah, like... In Chicago? Like, yes, and like I would say I was like seven or eight, 1988 maybe, some, one of the, out of the, is that a year? That would have been, at, let's see, it's 23 years ago. I mean, they're all prime numbers, but I don't know if many of them get above 17. It depends which, you know, there's like 13-year ones, 17-year ones. Yeah, I was I born know. in 1980, and I remember like being like 7, 8, or 9, and being so scared to walk outside. They were all over the place. You would crunch everything as you walked. Ugh. It was very traumatic. Huh. I wonder if that yeah. made it up to Michigan. I don't remember that happening. But yeah, the science of that's also interesting, of just like uh, factors and sort of mate... Um, combination of predator satiation and predator avoidance like if they were if they came out every 16 years then if some predator came out every one two four eight or 16 they could line up with them but if it's a prime number another predator would have to be on the same cycle or an annual cycle i guess it's just interesting how the math works out in that oh that is interesting yeah and then also the theory of predator satiation where when there's so many of them that come out all at once the, the the predator's there's too much for them to eat. Like they they get full and they won't eat all of them. So that you know, a fair number will survive. That oh, so it's almost like it's almost like first world war battle theory of just like well, just we could try and be clever about this, or we could just throw let's just throw so many people at them that someone's going to get through, right? Basically, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then all the cicadas say, "I don't got time to bleed." <laughs> <laughs> Stay with me, cicada. <laughs> just tell my girl back in Kansas, I love her. That's how you know. That's how you know the cicada is not making it. Well, in the beginning so of the scene, that cicada is just showing a picture of Beyonce. <laughs> this is oh, my no. farm that I nope. that I burrow under. Sorry, Sully, you're not going to see it again. <laughs> Sully was a good man. A bug, good bug. Cool. We we should yes. wrap this up. Where can our listeners find you and the many many things that you're doing? Oh uh, well, at Twitter and Instagram at Cold Cabana. But please. Um, 
listen to uh, the the new Hotline show I have, Wrestling Anonymous, where people just call in their fun stories Definitely. about wrestling. I edit them up so it's nice and short, and it's kind of like evergreen. And you know, if you want to subscribe and listen weekly, you can. If you want to just check in every now and then, you can too. That's kind of the fun of it. Kind of like the show, I guess. I uh, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. You're a you're a good podcaster, and I like the wrestling world's weird. It's full of some so bizarre weird. characters, so. I'm all yeah. in favor of stories of people's encounters with, I'm sure, yeah, like I, a mixture I, of famous and once famous and nev- not quite famous wrestlers. I, on the first episode, there's there's a wrestler named Haku who is known as the toughest wrestler of all time. He would like pop people's eyes out. Nobody messed with Haku. <laughs> and then this one fan called in. He was like, I was at a show and Haku was there, but now Haku's older and I had brought my one-year-old child and Haku was like, can I play with your child? And I was like, of course. And then he just, he goes on to tell the story of Haku is like, like gently like playing with the kid's little feet and being like the greatest grandpa ever. (laughs) And then he whispers to him, he's like, I'm going to train you one day. You're going to come live with me and be a great wrestler. I'm going to train you. And, um, and like, that's just, you know, like when I heard that, I was like, oh, this is going to be such a fun podcast to produce and make. And, um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I was very excited about that. So, so uh, Wrestling Anonymous on the podcast apps and uh, Twitch, uh, Colt Cabana, come watch me play some games. I'm always a fun time on there. And anything else is ColtCabana.com or ColtMerch.com. And I appreciate you having me on. Oh, Thanks man, I appreciate here. you joining us. I was very happy to make that happen and, and have you have you say yes and come on. Um, listeners, as I'm also... You- Oh, I'm also sorry. I'm also hoping Mr. Matsko is listening. And if you are, how are you? Good to see you again. Thank <laughs> you. And Jackie or Tim Schmidt. Yeah. Yes, of course. And and the rest of you listeners, you can find us as always at probably probablyscience.com on Twitter at probablyscience, individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover. Uh, you can also comment underneath Patreon if you're a Patreon patron, and you can also support the show through PayPal. We did have one Patreon, uh, Patreon comment as well, that someone someone lived in a Bortle 1 situation. Let me find this. Veronica, listener oh, Veronica, right. yeah. said... Which, Colt, the village... that's a place, a place where you have like zero light pollution and see the most stars possible on the planet, basically. A, oh, wow. Yeah, a village in Vanuatu is Bortle 1. We, the, in the episode with Dara O'Brien last week, we he was talking about he's he's got very into taking photograph like astrophotography, and that there's oh. the Bortle scale, which is basically how light polluted is your area, and Bortle one is basically you can just see through the through the Milky Way. Can I tell you my Dara story really quick? Oh please. So um, you know I I did that show with in the, in the Edinburgh Fringe for years um, uh, with Brendan Burns. And so Brendan was talking to this guy on the street and, and I walk I'm up. I'm like, hey, Brendan. And we're just talking. And then Brendan's like to this other guy, have you met Colt? I was like, oh, hey, I'm Colt. And then he goes, oh, hey. And then I just look at him, I go, you got a name, bud? And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then <laughs> he goes, uh, I'm Dara. I go, OK. And then later that night, I went and saw a show with Sam Campbell, who is an amazing Australian comedian. So funny. And on that show is him showing a clip of Dara's like late night talk show and like making a joke of like how big a name this guy was. And then I put it together. I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) I guess I kind of like, but he was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then like after that all happened, I talked to Brendan and I'm like, Brendan was like, Oh, I'm sure he feels bad. He just didn't realize that, you know, like, Sometimes you got to realize, like, not everyone knows who you are. Like, he's essentially the letterman of America, right? Or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, he's he's very well known in the UK. But also, like, I, I, 
he's he's also not the kind of guy to be like from my encounters i think that was a genuine oh i'm sorry i forgot to say that right yes 100 percent. that's what we were saying you should know who i am it's not like 100 percent. it's not like going okay barack you got a last name Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's sometimes a power play as well when when it's a really famous person to go like hey i uh hey i'm tom yes mr cruz we know (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh that's that's great um did you was he doing a show in Edinburgh? I think he was just probably just hanging out, wasn't he? Just going up to drop in and maybe do a charity gig. And I, I believe so, yeah. Uh but yeah, Bortle One. Uh Bortle One in Vanuatu, listener Veronica has been there. And I'm jealous because I grew up in cities and I've never really like once or twice I've seen proper stars in my life. Can I where in the world is that? I did I didn't know where that town was. South Pacific? It's a, it's a nation, correct? It's yeah, yeah. Yes. It still has given me no clues. I I, have, I couldn't tell you what you're talking about. It's is it, it in Asia? South South Pacific Island. Um, it's close to. Let's see. Is it near like Fiji and stuff? Uh, it's kind of close to Fiji. Yeah. Okay. In the grand scheme of things, it's kind of kind of kind of middle of nowhere. Yeah, east of Australia. Yeah, it is very middle of nowhere. Which again, we tally with basically. Bortle One. Yeah. Bortle One. It's about, yeah, it's kind of, if you were to sort of draw a straight line between Papua New Guinea and New Zealand, or if you were to jump and off this- of the east coast of Australia and swim directly east and a little bit up, then you'd end up and in the- Vanuatu. And this Patreon person lives here? No, I think I think was visiting, or I think spent some oh. time there. But I just love that idea that we're all so far away, but so close. I think right? that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's I don't know. Cool. Maybe we maybe we do. We should check our stats to see if we have any Vanuatu listenership. <laughs> Although I think sometimes you get those weird stats because of people's VPNs and stuff. But like, right? Yeah, we just got, like, everyone's that. everyone's tuning in from Antarctica for some reason. Right. <laughs> uh, Colt, again, thank you so much for joining us, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Yes, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.